0: I do want to trigger warn, um, we are talking about self-harm in this episode. Um, If that's something that you are not comfortable listening to for whatever reason, please feel free to skip this episode and we will see you next week. Feeling, and currently, there's a lot of feelings happening. I'm Lindsay. I'm Asra. And we just had easily <laughs> <instantly>, shut up. <laughs> we just easily had a good 20 minute conversation. Just it wasn't. It was perfect. There was there was dialogue and banter, and we were going back and forth. And we described my laundry room to you. And we talked about one direction and Good Girls and Manny Montana in particular. And neck tattoos. And neck tattoos, which... <laughs> it wasn't recording! Wasn't, it wasn't recording. And we just got into the story. We had a very deep conversation. And then Usra looks at the computer and goes, Wait, <laughs> is it not recording? And, um... Eleven emotions later, here we are. Usra has her face buried in her scarf, as she should. <laughs> um, as the as audio engineer on staff. <laughs>
1: I'm
0: so sorry.
1: I thought I don't know how it why I did it. I honestly don't know why I didn't record. My my throat is sore.
0: <laughs> so if, you, oh ever girls, if you ever want to talk about good girls what's the feeling podcast want to talk about one direction, hit us up this is Lindsay. <laughs> this is our fifth episode <laughs> last episode was girl almighty so this is the thing all right every episode
1: Y'all come back with your sassy little remarks. Oh, Asra, the audio sucks. Oh, Asra, why are you so fucking loud? Well, this is it right here. We don't know what the fuck we're doing. I didn't even press fucking record, okay? That's... If you
0: need more context on how difficult this is for us, we're counselors. Yeah. We don't... I don't even do Zoom meetings with my kids. What is the so we've got blankets around us i have a um <laughs> turtle <laughs> towel hanging behind Astra. thank you for making it kiki it's really pretty no that my mom didn't make the turtle towel oh oh my mom, mom made this, this one. one okay and i'm my gonna my be mom r- made this one
1: no i thought you call those turtle
0: towels it's a quilt, loser <laughs> Turtles. I, shell. I get it. I very much get it. It's a creative <laughs> name, but I like it. But you're right. Shout out Kiki for the turtle blanket. The turtle blanket is really cool. It's what it's gonna be called now that now that it has this new name. <clears throat> but my mom, in all of her fantastic glory, took all of my old shirts from different like sporting events and like church carnivals and she and jobs. And jobs. And she put them and on. And schools. And school. Just let me <laughs> and she put them onto a quilt for me. <clears throat> cut them all into 12 by 12 squares and then sewed them onto a fleece backing. And it's now this giant blanket. It's huge. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then on the other end of our laundry room wall, we have a quilt that my grandmother, Afghan, that my mother, Fudge my grandmother afghaned for me knitted crocheted the word was crocheted. <laughs> <laughs> crocheted for me and it's in santa clara colors because i went
1: to santa clara what um what verb is afghan what is that
0: supposed <laughs> to mean <laughs> <laughs> crocheted the word was crocheted she crocheted the afghan the this this is called an afghan okay
1: And she crocheted it. So we are sitting in an already small room, surrounded by blankets, as are our mics. So if you don't like this audio, um,
0: I would love to hire you for free. Yeah. To manage our audio business. Or send us the money to get the sound curtains. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we looked up sound curtains today. You know? Like, visit our Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have one. What's the feeling at (sighs) Patreon.com?
1: Ugh. So, my, my brain already my brain feels a little bit like mush, and I don't know why. It's, it's not like we talked for the whole fucking episode, but we probably should have taken a few deep breaths. Let's do that right now. So, if you've, for some reason, you've also taken on our stress, you can, in
0: this moment, listening to all of when this. Ma- oh, my God. If I was listening to this as a consumer, I'd be so anxious. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. So, let's, for a couple of seconds, just... It's going to be an ASMR breathing video from here on out. Oh, that was terrifying. I'm sorry that she did that to all of you. Nope, we're done now. <laughs> With your deep arm breathing and... I'm trying to help them. Oh. They don't need your help. That's not why they're here. They aren't here for help. That was a joke. Stop looking at me like that. Uh, they No, they don't, they
1: don't need our help. Just because they pressed play, but we just in- endured
0: um onto them. We did. We took our <laughs> our trauma, and instead of dealing with the trauma before we had kids, yes, we, yes, yes. We took our trauma and we put it onto our kids. You are our kids. And um, with that, welcome to What's the Feeling, where we talk about teen mental health and the trauma that our parents put on no. us. Dear Lord. Sorry, mom. <laughs> It's not necessarily only parents.
1: Yeah. Um, As a friend of mine says, it's situational. Depends.
0: Yeah. It just kind of depends on the way that people were raised. Okay, so I'm going to try to rehash everything that I just said when it wasn't recording. Um, Last week, you took me for a spin, and you went with two stories instead of one. And uh, this time, I'm going to kick it up a notch. Kick it up a notch. Who's that guy? Bam! Bam, who's that guy? Bam! Freary. No, it's not, not Guy not, No. <laughs> yes, it
1: is. No, Guy fairy doesn't say bam. He doesn't say kick it up a notch. Oh, no,
0: it's Avril, Avril Lavigne. Nope, <laughs> Avril. Uh, Avril. Avril Lagasse. <laughs> we got there. I'm going to Avril Lagasse this shit. <laughs> Avril Lavigne at first. <laughs> <laughs> they go together. You see how my brain made that connection. So today, last week we had two people. This week we are looking at an entire, like... Gaggle of teenage girls. Mm-hmm. Yep, I used the word gaggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to set the scene for you a little bit. The year is... 2016. 2016. Um, it's important to know the year only because this was the time Trump had just been elected, not by popular vote. Got you. Um, and it was a big... There were some big changes that were happening. Um, I was working in East Palo Alto, and... ICE, which is Immigration Enforcement, was coming around a lot, whether they were actually there or um, it was just rumors. It seemed that they were showing up every week. And my kids were terrified, terrified for themselves, terrified for their families. We were doing family nights where we talked about families' rights, about whether they had to open the door if someone came knocking, if ICE could come to the schools, all sorts of stuff. So there was this big panic. Like a very and completely understandable, this big panic for a lot of my students and their families about what was coming and uncertainty and just rampant racism that they hadn't experienced on that level before. They have they clearly experienced racism, but this was coming from above and it was all over the news and it was things that they didn't necessarily have experienced because of the the close knit community they had lived in pre- that they lived in.
1: Yeah, it went from. So obviously Lindsay and I worked in the same um, area, but this is obviously nationally, right? Like students went from experiencing like interpersonal racism to straight up structural racism, and then watching um, millions of people in the country sign up for that structural
0: racism. It was really intense to watch, and it was really intense for our students and their families to go through. Also adding to my students' experience at the time is our school district was in the process of consolidating schools. Um, We, EPA had I think eight middle schools at the time and they were combining it to one. So I'm primarily talking about seventh graders at the time. So they knew at this time that next year they were switching schools. And it wasn't high school, it wasn't something that they had planned for their entire lives. Mm -hmm. It meant that their 90 student or 90 kid student student body those were hard words (laughs) um was going to turn into this thousand kids school um and people were different teachers were losing their jobs at the time I lost my job and I just found a way to stay at the school there was just a lot of uncertainty for our students at the time um and usher brought up a really good point when we recorded this but didn't record it in the first part but it was just on a deep level, like, explain to the kids, like, their education wasn't worth it, that money was more important. There was a lot of stuff that could be kind of fed into this experience.
1: Yeah, one thing, um, that you got to think about is how is the space that you're asking your students to sit in, um, representing... Respect for them and for their presence. So when a student walks in and they got to use old textbooks or they have broken chairs or um, <clears throat> the carpet's tattered, that is going to evoke a certain sense of um, disrespect, a certain sense of unworthiness that already exists in them as, uh, that, or actually I should say, sorry, that can exist in them. Mm-hmm. As brown and black students, so um, to then come around and have somebody say, "Hey, never mind. I know you got used to the school, but uh, this is on our terms." And I know we ask you to act like a community, but in the end, we still we still make the decision. So it's it's just a really messed up thing to experience. Yeah.
0: So that's kind of the environment in which my students are existing, besides their normal like seventh gradeness. Mm-hmm. So. What ended up happening, kind of long story short, is I want to say like October through December is kind of when this all kind of started percolating like a good, terrible coffee. Um, The oh, we didn't trigger warn this. We trigger warned it in the first one. I'll put that in, I'll cut it and put it in the beginning. Perfect. So, what ended up happening was there was this outbreak. That's all I can explain. It was an outbreak of self-harm with my seventh grade girls. And self-harm can be defined as cutting, burning, picking skins, scratching, pulling out hair. There's all these different types of self-harm. And I also wanna explain that self-harm and what we're talking about now is self-harm without the intent of suicide or without the intent of death, Um, which is important to know um, there's different different studies say different things that self harm is linked to suicide attempts, whether it's not linked. For the purpose of this conversation, these self harm attempts were not linked to suicide. And what what's
1: why would a student self harm?
0: Right. So there's a ton of different reasons for self harm, um, and you can talk to kids in general about it. But kind of the biggest reasons are as a way of expression. Like they're just feeling stuff and they need to get it out. Mm. And this is one way they've found to get it out. So it feels like cathartic? Yeah, kind of, yeah, it's a release. Mm. Um, Another one is a a way of Mm self-soothing. So sometimes you think of self-soothing and you think of someone like giving themselves a hug or like rubbing their arms. And these are kind self-soothes, but you also have the self-soothe of causing yourself pain. Other ways is just a way to release anger or tension. Um, You feel so much and you don't know how to actually express it, and this is going to make your body feel the way that your brain does Mm. or that your emotions do. Mm -hmm. Um, Another way is just to feel something. Um, If you're in a deep state of depression, people sometimes describe it as not being able to feel anything and just feeling numb. Mm. and causing yourself physical pain is going to make you feel something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a good feeling, but if you're so used to not feeling anything at all, feeling something is a w- welcome feeling. Um, we'll learn throughout the story, too, that for some of my kids, there were different reasons they were doing it. Um, what, How this worked is I would find one girl, a teacher, would come to me like, hey, can you check in with so-and-so? Um, I saw some cut marks on their arm can you check in with so-and-so their friends said that they're cutting friends would come to me and be like hey miss lindsay can you check in with so and so i know that this person is cutting so in this situation all of the self-harm was cutting um cutting either with razor blades or with knives or whatever they can find it was usually on their forearms um and so i ended up talking to all of these girls individually and in as groups and just trying to kind of figure out what was happening So what I found is there was the core group of, let's say like five or six girls who are really going through emotional trauma. Um, And they were using cutting for one of those four reasons I explained in previously, like either to feel something, they were feeling so low that this was their way of expression. They wanted their um, external feelings to match their internal feelings. So this was one group of girls. Then you got a second group of girls who were cutting themselves in response to their their friends cutting themselves. Mm. So what that looks like is, for example, you would be cutting yourself. And I would be like, for every time you cut yourself, I'm going to cut myself three times as kind of an ultimatum to make you stop.
1: Mm.
0: So suddenly, the one student who's never cut themselves for any of the previous reasons is now cutting themselves a lot because they're trying to, quote unquote, stop their friend from doing it by taking their pain or what. But it's it sounds like secondary
1: trauma, right?
0: Yeah. Like it's, yeah. Because then as the original girl, you feel terrible for whatever's happening. You feel terrible after you cut yourself and then you feel terrible again mm-hmm. because you're seeing your friend do it. Mm-hmm. Which then in, in part makes you feel terrible and cut yourself again. Oh my God. This terrible, terrible, vicious circle. Then there was this third group of students. um, Because also this time, Snapchat was becoming super popular. Um, Seventh graders had Snapchat. And so there were girls who were cutting themselves on Snapchat and sending it to other people. Oh no. um, Either as a dare, like, oh, I did this, you do this. Or girls would see it and be like, oh, they did that, I'm gonna do it. So by by the time um, we'd kind of gotten a handle on what was going on. Three quarters of the seventh grade girls at the school were cutting themselves to some degree. And it's a small school, so how many? Um, so my seventh grade girls, there were, I want to say there's like 25 of them. Okay. And so a good 15 mm-hmm. um, had had experience with self-harm. Mm. Now, I'm also going to rant here for a second. Did you ever watch 13 Reasons Why?
1: No, because I knew it was going to be stupid.
0: So what had happened, And because I did all this, I was trying to figure out what happened because this isn't normal. Self-harm is pretty common, right? But the rate that it was happening at my school and the amount of girls that were going through it was shocking to me. Like I I could not understand what was going on. Um, And so I was talking to some girls and looking back previously. And so what had happened was the year prior when they were all in sixth grade, there was a teacher, at some point who watched 13 Reasons Why with her class.
1: Oh, no.
0: <clears throat> so, like, after testing, they all watched 13 Reasons Why. For those of you who've never watched 13 Reasons Why, don't go watch it. It's not worth it. Um, it is based on a book, but basically it's a story of this girl who um, completes suicide, and in her... Suicide completion leaves tapes explaining to everyone why it's their fault that she completed suicide. So it's a romanticization yes. of suicide. and of self-harm and all of these sorts of stuff. So, as sixth graders, as our sixth graders, they watch this TV show. And this TV show isn't, um, it isn't softened, like, there is a scene where you watch the main character slit her wrists.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: It's v- And there are scenes of sexual assault. Like, it's not glossed over. It's very in your face. Um, and I remember at the time, the year before when this show came out, I took the 7th and 8th grade girls who were in my program, and we had a conversation about 13 Reasons Why. We sat in a group. We had a conversation about what feelings that the show evoked. What do we do if we start feeling like this? Um, but what I didn't do is I didn't talk to my sixth graders. Because at the time I was like, sixth graders, I don't need to have this conversation with them. They weren't talking about the show. Um, I wasn't seeing a lot of red flags with my sixth graders. I also didn't know that they were watching it in class. Mm-hmm. So, fast forward a year, all of these girls who had sat and watched six. Uh, 13 Reasons Why, and never had a conversation with their teacher about it, were kind of falling back on this information they had seen on TV. That it's very romanticized, that if I can cause myself pain and show other people, that people will suddenly care, and it will be romanticized, and I will have this love story, or whatever it was. But they're seeing this idea on TV because they never had the conversation about it when they were watching it. Yeah. And they're now acting out on it a year later. My God. So first and foremost, teen teams, um, students, if you're listening, if you watch something or listen to something or read something, have the conversation about it. Especially if you're part of that teen team. Like if you know that your kids are watching or listening or reading stuff, be open and having that conversation. You are not going to, there's this big idea, like if I talk about suicide with my kids, I'm gonna make them think about doing it. That's not the case. That's not the case with therapy. Like asking someone like, are you suicidal? Is not going to make them suicidal. Hmm. Like that has been proven. Like talking about it is not going to make it happen. Um, So here's kind of the, that's kind of the background of, the cutting epidemic that happened at my school in two thousand sixteen.
1: Mm-hmm. Questions. <laughs> I mean, I've heard this before. Like we've talked about this, and every it doesn't. It's not any less hard to listen to. Um, it, it's angering on so many levels. But the one question that's nagging at me, which uh, I'm sorry if this pushes you ahead, does administration ever, administration at your school, ever address this teacher's fault or, pl- or role in this?
0: No. So by this time that teacher was no longer there because like I said, the um, oh, teachers, teachers had, had been let go. Had been let go and moved on. Um, and also I don't want to necessarily blame this teacher as well. Like this was an antecedent that kind of added to it. Um, there should have been um, parent signatures about mm-hmm. letting their kids see this TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean,
1: I would say they're enough at fault. Yeah. They're enough at fault because, especially in the context that it happened, like, students will will find school to be a safe place mm-hmm. um, or they'll... Um, you know defer to that as an authority yeah. so even if it's like making them uncomfortable they'll like watch it anyway or um and they'll internalize it especially if they're not gonna break it down before like afterwards yep. and like have a good conversation yeah
0: um i know my aunt who was a high school counselor at the time they had to write a note and like send it home to all the families like they weren't watching it at school but this show had mm-hmm. come out and it was so popular that they were writing notes home to families to be like, hey, if your kid's watching this, here are some conversation things mm. to talk about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that clearly never happened with my kids.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But for administration, because you did ask, administration knew about this. Oh, no. Knew about, like, when they were all in seventh grade, they knew about this cutting epidemic. I was trying to have that conversation. Um, and we probably should have had some sort of a parent meeting to go around. I think there was a letter written to parents being like, hey, here are some warning signs for self-harm. Here are some things that you can do. I don't actually know if it was ever sent out because I know I had set up, I had, like, written a presentation out for families for them to come to school and we could talk about self-harm. Because mm-hmm. um, I also want on, like, I also want to point out like, this is really hard for families and caregivers to see their kids going through this. Mm-hmm. They see self-harm as like this giant, giant issue. Um, and it's scary. It's scary to see your kids go through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't know that self-harm is different than suicide, it, it's a very blurry line. And so it can be really terrifying. So. I think as professionals in that situation, we as a school should have had some sort of a family meeting to talk about it. Um, It never happened. It was at the same time as like the Tide Pod eating challenge. Mm. And so administration at the time was like, well, if we're talking about self-harm, we should also talk about Tide Pods. And I was like, yeah, so that's not happening. Like, our kids aren't eating Tide Pods at school. They're cutting themselves at school. We don't want to talk about Tide Pods. Mm. Um, but like I said before, it's hard to have that conversation. If you're not well-versed in self-harm, if you haven't experienced it on a firsthand level or as a secondary or even tertiary level, like, it's very hard to have that conversation. Mm. So there was no conversation that ever was had with parents. I think we called some parents to be like, hey, just so you know your kids cutting themselves with please be that parent on the other side of that conversation mm-hmm. like that's not the converse that's not the phone call I want mm-hmm. I never want to hear that my kids are hurting themselves but I also don't want to hear from the school like oh this is what's happening I'd rather be like a, hey so this is what's going on here's how we're going to support you and your kid oh. so that is my my thing and so i talked to several kids about it um and i think it was also important in this part to differentiate the reasons why Mm. cutting was happening Mm -hmm. um and i also don't want to say that one reason was better or worse than the other we hear a lot of um well they're just doing it for attention they're just doing it for attention so what Mm -hmm. so what if they're doing it for attention then give them attention Mm -hmm. we've talked about this before like why are we hiding withholding yeah withholding our affection or our love like if you have a baby and they cry they are crying for attention Mm -hmm. what do you do you go and you hold the baby Mm -hmm. so if your 13 year old girl is crying out for attention by cutting herself go hold your 13 year old girl Mm -hmm. right it's not that different So that's just a feeling I have because I hear a lot of, I don't get it. They're just doing it for attention. They're just doing it for attention. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to what we talked about in last week's episode of kind of demonizing the the teenage girl Mm -hmm. for her emotions.
1: Mm -hmm. Ridiculing. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And saying it's not real. Mm -hmm. Where... Let me tell you, as someone who has been a thirteen-year-old girl, those emotions are real, mm-hmm. and they're ju- and
1: they're just as confusing to the person experiencing well, right. it than to the person, yeah, observing it.
0: We all have our own reality, mm-hmm. and I think that's really important to look at when you're working with anybody. But like that thirteen-year-old's reality is their reality, mm-hmm. whether it is true or not, it is their reality. That is what they are living in, and that is what you have to work with mm-hmm. when you are working with that with that with that kid. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my story.
1: Um, I don't know if this was said in the non-recorded version <laughs> of today, but I don't think you broke down who was cutting why and when. Did that? Did you do that right now? Yes. In this new one? Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: The three levels of the girls who were experiencing trauma and were using their self-harm to either distract, self-soothe, mm-hmm. um, release anger, or feel something. You had the secondary group of girls who were responding to their friends cutting Mm -hmm. by cutting, Mm -hmm. and then you have the tertiary group that was cutting because they were either being dared to on social media or they were seeing someone else doing it on social media, Mm -hmm. and then therefore they were doing it as well. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the three. Um, And I worked with all three of those groups of girls to try to figure out what was the best way to support each one? Um, and it was really—I think for me, this is one of like the turning points of my experience as a youth developer and a counselor, because it's not something you see all the time. Like most counselors can talk about an experience they had with self-harm, because it is fairly common, right? Um, but not many people can say that there was an epidemic of it at their school. Hmm. Um, so I think this really kind of changed the way that I looked at, um, mental health and just youth development because it was this large scale person in environment. Where are these kids coming from? What's going on around them? What big level change can you make? Because sometimes when we think of counselors or youth development, we think very, like, um... Microbe. How do I work? How do I, Lindsay, work with you, Ustra, to help you, Ustra, experience life better? Mm-hmm. Opposed to, how do I, Lindsay, work with you, Ustra, to either change the environment that you are in or work with you to better work within the environment that you are in? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was a really important part of this situation. Mm-hmm. And realizing that I was kind of alone in it, that administration wasn't... Able to or willing to make big enough moves. In your, in, like, from your perspective. From my perspective. <laughs> legally. Legally. Yeah. Um, to do much. Mm-hmm. So, that is our story for today. Well, let's talk about how it was treated. <laughs> let's talk about it. <laughs> um, let's talk... Or do you want to start? Do you want to start <laughs> oh My <with>? God. <laughs> I know. We can start with the student themselves. We can start. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start with the students. Okay. So I actually, I took notes for this. I'm not a note taker. Usually I don't have notes when I'm giving speeches or presentations, but there are notes for today in my One Direction notebook. So you know that it is legit. <laughs> um, so when working with anybody who has a like a crisis response. We're going to refer to this as a crisis response. Any type of self-harm is a crisis response. Um, we want to use, we want to work backwards and figuring out why that's happening. So we talk about sometimes is that as is triggers, like what are the triggers that are making this response happen? Because it's not like you're going about your day and suddenly, bam, I want to self-harm. That's not necessarily how it goes. Mm. There's something that leads up to it. So if you're a student or anybody at this point who's having some sort of a crisis response, crisis response, again, it can be drug use, self-harm, binge, binging in any sort of situation, um, to really track the reasons why and track your triggers. Um, and then making those connections between your sensations, your thoughts, and then your actions. It hmm. was very broad. We can break it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people have a hard time of sitting with their feelings. Mm-hmm. We've been taught from a very early age to kind of push those feelings away. If the feelings are bad, we ignore them. We distract ourselves. We say, by my feelings.
1: Yeah, we try to act like they're not there because it's uncomfortable for the people observing it. Mm-hmm. Or people take your feelings personally, which I never understood.
0: Right. Um, instead, and this is what like meditation and um, mindfulness is about, is really being okay with those feelings and sitting with those feelings and acknowledging and saying hello feelings. Um, the best meme I got this from a friend of mine as you know the um bernie sanders sitting with his gloves thing mm-hmm. um and it was bernie sanders and it was like and at first it was like hey everyone i would like you to sit with your feelings and then it was the meme of him sitting with his gloves being like hello feelings <laughs> i don't want to sit here with you right now it <laughs> was probably one of the funniest memes that came out of that for me <laughs> very niche <laughs> humor but i thought that was great <laughs> um but the same thing here is like Becoming okay with your feelings and feelings are scary like I remember going through therapy For like the first time and my therapist being like we're gonna sit with our feelings. I'm like the fuck we are (laughs) Those are scary. Like those aren't fun. Mm -hmm. I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to feel anxious. I don't want to feel Depressed. I was so afraid of saying the word depressed. I would always use the word blue. I'm feeling very blue Mm. and not in some artsy way, you know, like (laughs) I was afraid of the word depressed (laughs) So if you are someone going through these crisis responses really taking that time to try to feel your feelings and if you do tend to have
1: like a, a like if you need supervision during that feeling then please do you know some with either someone you trust or like mm-hmm. with a therapist like mm-hmm. please sit with your feelings with somebody who's can be
0: yes who can help you and and all of this is we are not your therapist like we are just trying to give some information so if you need to reach out to a therapist, please do that. They are very helpful people. I like them a lot. They do good work. Yeah, it can be inaccessible
1: um, on a broad scale. So if you are a student, um, your school should offer some therapy services. Um, If they don't, please talk to your counselor at your school. Mm-hmm. Um, and tell them that, hey, I'm looking for a therapist. How mm-hmm. can I do that? If your counselor isn't helpful, please ask a teacher that you trust, have a good relationship with. It doesn't have to be a current teacher. It can be somebody that, trust me, that teacher will remember you. Not a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, most times they do, I should say. <laughs> they don't forget students like that. And Or you can try um, psychologytoday.com. And they do have a good search function. You can put in the current insurance that you have. Like figure out try to try to engage with your support network to yeah. find yourself a, a thing that works.
0: And there's also a lot of like free resources online mm-hmm. as well. Um, and sitting with your emotions doesn't have to be long. You don't have to do it for a long time. Sometimes it's just a quick check-in. Mm-hmm. And that's what I will do with a lot of my students is I'll have them set an alarm on their phone and every day at 3:15 they're going to stop for 2 minutes and they just sit and they like examine like what is my body feeling right now? And you do the five senses of, like, what does my body feel? Hmm. What do I smell? Hmm. What do I hear? And it seems very basic, but, like, just being able to stop for a second and take in what's around you is really going to help you come become more aware of your the sensations in your body. hmm <laughs> Because then sensations, sensations are then linked with thoughts. Mm-hmm. So, for example, for me, I... Australia, you know this. I had some pretty severe anxiety issues and my anxiety manifested differently for my whole life. And one of the worst ones was I would just get really, really bad vertigo hmm. as my anxiety. So now, whenever I start to feel a little dizzy or lightheaded, my first thought, my, without even thinking, my first thought is, oh no, I'm having a panic attack, which then causes me to have a panic attack. Hmm. So in that way that thinks, even now I'm starting to get panicky just thinking about it mm. um, so in that way of thinking how is my body feeling then, what am I thinking because of that and then what do I do based on that thought so we actually think of it as a chart and we've and you can see these charts, you can find these charts online, you can use your One Direction notebook and write them down <laughs> yourself
1: um, we're the only ones with One Direction notebooks that's now. not true
0: <laughs> that's not true Sophia has one Hi, Sophia. Alyssa has one. (laughs) Hi, Alyssa. You know what? I'm pretty sure Iris might have one. (laughs) Also, I have one. (laughs) Yeah. So take out your One Direction notebook and you can write these down. But here's a a secret, Astra. Are you ready for the secret? Yeah. Don't just do this for negative sensations Hmm. or negative feelings. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, like, I have a ton of energy. What's my feeling? Mm. Did you see that? I said, what's the feeling? Um. And I write down those thoughts that are related. And then what do I do with that? Yeah. And then that's helping you become more aware of how your sensations lead to your thoughts lead to your actions.
1: Mm, That's great. That's so good.
0: Thank y'all. Thank y'all. So, once you've kind of done that, stop. (laughs) Sensations, thoughts, actions. (laughs) S T (laughs)
1: A. Oh. If you add an R at the end for repeat. No, it's gonna it's not it's gonna be
0: react. <gasps> Star <laughs> Fucking high five. Trademarked <laughs> Star. Cessation. Thought action react. <laughs> Cause that's in my list of reacting. <laughs> no, it's not I've written, been, but it's in my head uh, of like I've been laughing myself. at myself. So then after you do it, so if we talk about shut up and let me talk. I feel like we just had a breakthrough, but after you've done your action, how do you res- how do you feel afterwards? How do we react to it? Like, mm. did, uh, you, yeah, yeah. did you did you self harm? How do you feel afterwards? Did you go for a run? How did you feel afterwards? Yeah. So, woo! Giant giant <laughs> circle. Well, no, a giant star. Giant. That's not. Those are five points. And I can't think of another one. other thing about the nest Whoa. <laughs> Otherwise I have to come up with an S And then it becomes stars Yeah. Sequential <laughs> I've been playing a lot of um, Scattergories recently Love Scattergories Star <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay So back to our, our People experiencing Crisis responses Now If we get to that point and you're like, I am going to crisis response, whatever that looks like. I'm going to fall to the floor and have a temper tantrum. I'm stop looking at me like that. <laughs> but we're going to have a crisis response. We need to find some ways to respond to that without kind of feeding into that crisis response.
1: Who's we? The are we at youth developers? Nope. We're uh, still
0: at we're still at people experiencing some okay. students. I guess. Okay. 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 Um, couple different ways to do that. We can distract, we can self-soothe, we can improve the, mov- the moment, and we can have a, some sort of a creative outlet. Okay.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So I know we said earlier that we don't want to ignore our emotions. Mm-hmm. That's important. So when I talk about distract, that is planned and it is short-term. Mm. This is if you are in that crisis moment. Mm. You have felt your sensations, you know your thoughts. The next thing that's going to happen is you are going to self-harm or whatever that is. Let's get you out of that red zone, get you back to a yellow zone so that we can go back to figuring something out. So distractions can look like calling a friend. Distractions can look like going for a run, um, taking a cold shower, um, writing something down, watching a TV show, listening to music. What is something that you like to do to distract yourself? Yeah. Um, next one is self-soothe. We talked about how sometimes self-harm is used as a self-soothing technique. We learn as babies that we like contact. Like, it is a self-soothing it can be a very physical act. So, if you like baths, taking a bath. So if you like a shower, take a shower. Um, giving yourself a hand massage, finding a soft blanket, a cozy pillow, mm. a stuffed animal,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or uh, your a, pet. Or your pet, if you have one. I try to get a cat this week. Did I tell you that? Yes, yeah. I um, But finding something that is self soothing. Mm-hmm. If there's like a calming song that you like, mm. if there is a music video that makes you feel some type of way, I don't know. But there's going to be some... Best song ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And one thing. Yes. Those are the two that I would go back to. Those are my self-soothing One Direction music videos. (laughs) Or if you just want to watch old One Direction... um, Video diaries. Video diaries.
1: Um, Yeah, and... um, uh, Old, like, or concert footage of, like, Mm -hmm. your favorite band. Um... Yeah, like, pictures of, like, of babies that you're related to, that you
0: love, you know? I thought you were going to say pictures of One Direction. (laughs) Same. same. I've seen this really cool thing, and I think we talked a little bit about it before, um, with, like, putting something on your phone. But I, last year there was this really cool, like, making yourself a first aid, like a mental health first aid kit. And you Mm. put pictures on your phone that are meant to... Soothe you. How sweet. And you make a playlist for the same thing, like Aww. songs that are meant to soothe you. Yeah. Um. And th- and it is just a really cool idea. So yeah. having pictures that you know you can always click on that are always gonna put a smile on your face.
1: Yeah, I love that because you can just create an album on your phone and call mm-hmm. it your mental health first yeah, aid
0: kit. I love that. Mine would literally just be a whole bunch of pictures of Louis Tomlinson. Yeah. In fact,
1: <laughs> mental health first aid kit.
0: <laughs> You're not allowed to talk anymore. <laughs> Do you see how she treats me, (laughs) Kiki? Don't call her out. Next we have (laughs) the improving the moment. This one is a little bit harder. But if you are sitting by yourself and you are feeling some type of way, take yourself out of that moment and go do something else. Call your friend. Um, Turn on your really, your punk pop playlist because everyone has that punk pop playlist. Oh my God, unrelated, but I have to tell you this. <laughs> I found the best thing on the internet. It is an artist who takes different songs and sings them as sea shanties. What's that? Um, like a mermaid? Like a you're off at sea fishing, like a fisherman song. You might also think of it as like a drinking song. That's not gonna help you either. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the do in Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Gaston. <laughs> yes, like Gaston, but he takes, so he like took um, <laughs> Defying Gravity from Wicked. Again, you don't actually care, but turned it into a sea shanty. And then he took an all-time low song and turned it into a sea shanty. It was the best thing in the, in the internet that's cool i don't remember where i got this fun. Oh, improving the moment there was an
1: artist that i loved let's let's bring it to somebody who likes r&b and hip-hop if you're listening ebs so fresh on youtube is how i got through 2008 to 2010 and he would take like um certain r&b and hip-hop songs and like Live in front of the camera would remix them together um, while he was like beatboxing but also like playing the piano. Mm -hmm. Like it's just like some of the coolest stuff. And now he's actually uh, a producer and he um, was nominated for a Grammy as a producer. But anyways, (laughs) he's Ibrahim Lakhani of super great uh, like mixes and stuff that he would put up. And that I loved, like that would make me so happy. Mm
0: -hmm. So finding those things that make you happy, Mm -hmm. um, is there... I I was going to say Tumblr, but no one does that anymore. (laughs) No one does Tumblr. Is there a TikTok person, instant, someone Mm -hmm. that you enjoy that makes you happy? Like Improving the moment can be anything Mm. that takes you out of your negative feeling and puts you somewhere else. And the last one is just a creative outlet. If you are a creative person, being able to put that into something else, so into writing or singing, into dancing, into making a podcast whatevs into drawing drawing making a fort (laughs) (laughs) so those are my ideas those are my things if you are the student going through that first and foremost if you need support if you need help go find someone talk to a friend talk to someone in your family talk to a teacher talk to a counselor talk to a religious leader talk to somebody talk to a counselor if you need that support. I like how counselor was last. You, no, you said it twice. Oh, it's very important. <laughs> but you don't have to go through it alone.
1: Yeah, I think that's the most important thing.
0: You do not have to go through it alone.
1: And you don't have to be too descriptive either. Nope. Like if you don't want to tell somebody why you're feeling the things you're feeling, then that's okay. Like you can say, look, I can't really share with you like, what's, like why I'm feeling this way. Um, but I am feeling really anxious right now and I need a distraction. Or you could just say like, hey, I need a distraction. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to be descriptive. Yeah.
0: And I think I've, I've done that to people before where I'm like on the verge of a panic attack and I can think of one very clear example. And I texted my friend. I'm like, hey, I'm feeling like I'm going to have a panic attack. Can you tell me a story? Mm-hmm. And the friend was great. And they're like, do you want a phone call or a text? And I was like, you can just text me. And so they sent me like a very long-winded story about breaking their arm skateboarding and their mother yelling at them and it was like there was no question like oh like what's going on do you want to talk about it It was just like hey I need you to tell me a story and they told me a story and we were golden Hmm. and it was just it was very heartwarming to see and again at this point like the person might not be a great friend but people usually are good and they want to help Oh, you mean like a close friend? Yeah. Okay. Like You don't necessarily have to go to a close friend because sometimes it's harder to go to a close friend. You don't... I don't always want to go to Esther if I'm feeling some type of way because she's going to push me if I'm not ready to be pushed. This is not necessarily you in particular, but like your good friends might try to push you a little bit more than you're willing to push. Whereas someone who's kind of like on the friendship bubble is going to be like, okay, I'll tell you a story, you know? And I would follow up too.
1: And that's... uh
0: Yeah.
1: You would follow up with what? Like, a, like your, like your good slash close friend would follow up with you like a few days later. And yeah. maybe you don't want to be followed up with. Mm-hmm. But you could say that. Yeah. You could say like, I don't ever want to talk about this again. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'd grit my teeth. Mm-hmm.
0: And the other thing is you also don't have to talk in great, great detail about your crisis response. You don't have to talk about your self-harm. You can talk about just the sensations you're feeling or the thoughts you're having. You don't actually have to talk about the actions. So you can talk about any parts of those, but just kind of having something, someone to talk to is helpful. Cool? Awesome. That's very, very detailed. I'm trying. I thought this was a good one to be detailed on. Yeah. Um, so that means that also means that my stuff on teen teams isn't going to be quite as detailed. I think my, my biggest thing I was thinking about this while I was getting ready for this episode, I see three very common responses from teen teams, so caregivers, or teachers, or counselors, or aunties, or even friends. You see your friend, they walk up, they have cut marks on their arms. Through very common responses. Oh my God, what's wrong? Like mm-hmm. exploding into emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is a, well, what did I do? I'm so, like, are you okay? I'm so sad and like really taking that on themselves of did I do this to you? Um, the other one is, is my, is not my favorite, but it's another cool one I see a lot. It looks like this. And you act like you didn't see it. And you act like you don't see it. Three work like, easily the three worst responses ever. Because yeah. you're telling the person going through it that one, either if you're ignoring it, that it's not important, and they're not important. If you're making it into a big deal, you're... Usually, creating a barrier between you and that person, they're not going to want to talk to you if you've ex- like if you reacted overly like overreacted it creates this barrier. Um, and if you make it about them, and these are those the girls I was talking about, like if you cut yourself one time, I'm going to cut myself three times. Mm-hmm. Like it's that that response to it too <laughs> of demonizing the person who is going through something. So those are the three responses I see a lot that are not helpful whatsoever. So. An easy response is you'd. you come from a place of care and concern and it's like, hey, like, I see some things on your arm. How's everything that you want to talk about anything? So you name it, you name that you see it, you acknowledge that it's there, and you open up the door for conversation. It's not like, I see uh, some cut marks on your arm, I see that you're cutting yourself, like, what's wrong with you? But it's like a, hey, I acknowledge that there's marks on your arm like I'm here if you want to talk um because the thing is if you see marks like if they're not being hidden most cases someone wants to talk about it but here's one big thing I, I do want to like star deep self harm wounds scar right so make sure you, you know the difference between like scarred self-harm wounds because you might have someone who did self-harm quite a bit two years ago and now that's all like just scarred
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you don't need to point that out Mm -hmm. they know Mm -hmm. right especially you'll see um i've heard people who have self-harm wounds on like their legs or their arms and they're constantly wearing pants and long sleeves just because they don't want to talk about it mm-hmm. it's something that they've been through it's a trauma they've experienced that they've worked through um and you don't want i don't want someone to have to hide that like that's something you've gone through mm-hmm. and so if you see someone who has it like staring and be like oh what happened to you how is that helping mm-hmm. it's not but fresh wounds acknowledge them and open the door for conversation in
1: private Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's, um, I think that's important too. So not ignoring the fact, but not reacting like it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my big thing for, um, caregivers. I think that that's more for like the teen team, your teachers and your counselors and that kind of thing. If you're a parent, again, I am not a parent. I do not know what it feels like to... See this as your own small human, mm-hmm. but again, here I'm gonna tell a secret. Are you ready? It's not about you. It's not about you. You might be adding to it in whatever way, shape, or form unintentionally, but they are not out to get you. They're not
1: they, trying to punish they're you. They're not
0: trying to punish you. So, again, coming from a place of caring and being like, hey, I'm here if you want to talk. Is there other support that I can offer you? They -hmm. might not want to talk to you. Yeah. And this is true for your teen team, too. Like, they might not, you might not feel comfortable talking to me for whatever reason. You might feel much more comfortable talking to teacher XYZ down the street. And I can be like, hey, do you want me to get teacher XYZ? Um, So, same thing there, like, Again, this is not about you. So if they need something that's not you or something that you can't provide, be open to that and help them get the support that they need.
1: And sometimes it could be difficult for this teen to talk to their parent about it because they can see how much their actions are hurting yes. their parent, their guardian. And that is a lot of guilt that you that is not going to be helpful. Um, so trying to, like... Re- remove that as much as possible by removing yourself from that conversation mm. because it'll it, it'll be hard for your teen to look at you and be like yeah I'm cutting myself and I know that you're trying not to cry right now yeah. or, um, that's just really hard because they don't they're not doing it to hurt you um, and so then if it is hurting you that's that's very hard for them and can be an, another trigger yeah, ah, and sure. an, another place of, of source of self hate
0: Mhm. Definitely. Um, so I think those are my, my big takeaways for this, the student experiencing self-harm or some sort of a crisis response, the teen team and the caregivers in the situation. Wow. That was heavy. If only we would have started this whole conversation about... Good girls. Good girls. In One Direction well we we managed to bring one direction right into this it's it's been five episodes and i you know that commercial like is it the geico or the state farm or flow how long can flow go without talking about geico that's not that that's the gecko but flow state farm no that's progressive the, progressive and it's like how long can flow go without talking about progressive if she doesn't match <laughs> it doesn't make it like i'm super proud of us for going five episodes without we went four for four episodes are going <laughs> to a deep dive of one direction
1: yeah if you haven't noticed the the titles to our episodes are one direction songs that we um whether it's the a sentiment that we felt when we heard the song or the lyrics of the song that's how we name our our episodes yeah and it's representative of of um of us as a as a Friendship unit? What <laughs> the fuck I'm trying to say? It's how we became friends. It's how we became, like, very close friends and decided to to spend hella money.
0: I thought you were going to say hella time together. But hella money works, too. <laughs> one time we drove to LA to go see the boys. Was it only once? Well, no, we've done this multiple times. <laughs> but one time in particular, we listened to one song on repeat for three hours. Fireproof! <laughs> Oh, that wasn't even the right. <laughs> I'm ashamed. There was another time that I threw. Wait, that the wasn't
1: voice. the right song. Or that there wasn't the right, wasn't the right rhythm. A baby with fire. <gasps> yeah! I've lost it.
0: You lost it. the way, I do. Okay. Um. There's another time that I. I'm cutting the whole thing out. <laughs> did someone throw? Did I throw up? Cause I was laughing too hard. Did you throw up? Oh, I was crying. Oh, I was crying. (laughs) Always crying. You can always just assume that Lindsay was crying. (laughs) On another episode, we will talk about One Direction. Just a full-on... Maybe we do a self-analysis. Uh, why why did we connect with One Direction so well, Lindsay? Why did we need yes. that in our lives? You know, we talked about self-soothing and improving the <laughs> moment and the creative outlet and the distraction. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, the
1: amount of posts I made, yeah. Um, all right, cool. Well, um, thank you for, for walking us through that. I think it's so important, um, each facet of that from, like, why and how this situation had happened at your school. Um, And then, like, all the treatment across the board. Super, super helpful.
0: For the record, Esther looks super tired right now. And I don't know if it was my story or my monotone voice. No, it's because I usually have coffee by 11 (laughs) a.m.
1: And I didn't have coffee because I didn't want to phlegm up this fucking episode. (laughs) And I think I still did. That's
0: okay. I forgive you. So, what are you proud of? You forgive me. I'm the one who wants to edit this shit. You're right. You forgive <laughs> you. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't.
1: No, it's really annoying. I'm constantly <coughs> coughing or clearing my throat. All right, let's do our proud of. What do you got?
0: Do you have something? um <laughs> this week was hard yeah let me let me just tell you how hard this week was um something that i am proud of wow you are gonna have a lot of dead space to edit out i am proud of
1: my restraint this week
0: okay okay well,
1: pre-screening of thoughts before they are shared um, Ooh! Yeah, um, just trying to be better at like more meaningful communication, um, and just just trying to be um, more aware of the words I choose.
0: Nice. Um, I think I'm proud of. It was a really stressful week, but I am proud of the fact that I am able to look at stuff that happened and kind of learn from it. Um, Learn for myself of how to do things better in the future. Um, Yeah, I think just being able to not sit in the negativity of it all and take it as a learning experience. Um, I'm still like fighting with the, the negativity of it and just the like the sad feelings, um, but being able to knowing at some point that I will be able to take this experience and I'll learn from it.
1: I don't know how helpful it is that we
0: are being so vague, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, um, we we've uh, we've had some interesting days this week. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Without coffee,
0: oh, this is bad. It's bad. I'm um, ready. I think the thing the, the, to overarch what we're proud of is it's things that we have been working on mm-hmm. that we are making progress with. Yeah. Constantly learning, constantly growing, constantly evolving. I can't stand those people who are
1: like, who, there's like, who forget about self improvement. Mm-hmm like everybody has a room to grow right. and learn no matter how long you've been in your career no matter how long you've been in a relationship no matter how long you've been a self-assured person like it, there, you always have room to grow and yeah. to always make space for, and, and to be kind with yourself and practice grace with yourself because you deserve room for growth
0: Miss mm-hmm. nice you you. <laughs> that was dumb.
1: this episode was brought to you by the letter
0: you <laughs> All right, bye Jill. everyone see bye. you next week
1: May Oh that was my stomach.